The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is, the word of the faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart, and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth, and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The, the word of the Lord. to Luke, the fourth chapter. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We have begun our journey in Lent. The gospel reading for the first Sunday in Lent is usually the temptation of Jesus from one of the gospels. And we hear, as we are in the gospel of Luke this year, the temptation in Luke. Now the obvious connection is that we're in this season for 40 days and Jesus went out into the wilderness for 40 days. But there's more to it than that we see Jesus doing something for us in the wilderness that Israel couldn't do and we not do. But in this temptation of Jesus, the devil comes front and center, center stage. 
Now, the language in the Gospel of Luke and in the other Gospels is designed to help us connect Jesus with Israel. Israel was led out into the wilderness, out of slavery in Egypt, into the wilderness, and there, there were many temptations, and as you recall, things didn't go so well for them. Jesus similarly is led out into the wilderness, but things go better for Jesus. So before we talk, though, about Jesus, let's talk about the devil. There's two ways that we go wrong when we talk about the devil. The devil is not God. Our worldview, the biblical worldview, is different than Star Wars. Now, I think, in some ways, Star Wars is based on a more Buddhist worldview, where you've got, you want balance, you've got equal opposing forces. I'm not an expert on that, so I'll leave that go, but I can tell you this, the dark side is not equally as powerful as the other side in the biblical worldview. The devil is at best a fallen angel, so to speak, and angels can't be all places at all times. And so one way we go wrong with the devil is that we give the devil more power than the devil has. Like when we say, the devil made us do it. Probably most of the time, that's not true. Our old Adam, our old Eve, our old nature falls prey to temptations that the devil puts before Jesus today, but that are before us every day. But the other side is also a problem. Because in our modern worldview, our more naturalistic worldview, we want to kind of poo-poo, I guess is the only way I can say it, <laughs> kind of put aside that there's this evil force, this unseen realm, where the devil is lurking and influencing this realm. In fact, in C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters, which is, if you haven't read it, a senior devil instructing a junior devil on how to mess up a new Christian's life. And the number one strategy of the senior devil to the instructing the junior devil is make sure that this new Christian doesn't believe in you, doesn't think you're affecting their life. In other words, stay hidden. Stay subtle. So, we can mess up by ignoring this unseen realm and that there is a devil and that there is maybe even evil spirits and that there is a force that is trying to destroy God's kingdom, the church, your life, your family in this world. I've often given people struggling, sometimes in marital issues or regardless what it is, that, you know, this, as Paul says, our battle is not just against flesh and blood but against the powers, the principalities, the prince of the air, which is probably allusion to the devil. So there's more going on than just, you know, what meets the eye. And that reframe sometimes helps people go, wow, maybe there is an answer here. So we can fall off the horse on both of those sides, but I think Jesus' temptation here in the wilderness would keep us from being naive, God is God, but there is an evil force that is trying to mess up our lives in the church. 
In essence, the devil is claiming something but that God has claimed. The devil is saying, I have all this authority. I'm going to give that to you, Jesus. No, he doesn't. Jesus already has that. It's like with Adam and Eve, and, and when the devil has to work so hard on Eve to get her to take the eat from the tree that God had forbade them to eat, um, has to tell Eve, hey, if you eat this, you'll be like God. Well, she already was like God. <laughs> so the devil, in a certain sense, is claiming something that is not true. Um, and deceiving us. The devil is a liar. So how does the devil do this with Jesus, and how does it happen in our lives? Well, the first one is bread. Are we hedonistic? Are we just about pleasure and what satisfies our hunger, whether it be physical or any other kind? That's a part of human life, and it's actually a beautiful part of human life, a good loaf of bread? Come on. doesn't get any better than that. That's a gift from God. But of course, the devil wants Jesus to make that his one and only total focus. That is not where life is found, but we are tempted in that same way, are we not all the time? To kind of put ultimate power and ultimate meaning in stuff. Well, the second temptation is power. We see this on display right now in Ukraine and Russia. All too often, world leaders who have power use it for their own purposes. The devil says, hey, worship me and you can be in charge of everything. Wouldn't that be great, though, to have Jesus in charge of everything? Well, this lust for power infects not just Russia, not just Putin, but infects every world leader, infects all people and all groups, local, national, world, and even the church too. It's a part of human nature. And I think it's so powerful that Jesus, fully human and fully God, goes out into the wilderness and that's where the devil goes at him with, is use your power for your gain. But Jesus holds steady. We'll get to what he does in a minute. So, what do I say about this? I, I think we need to be very realistic when it comes to how we make the world a better place. I think that we need to never have any policies that don't take into account human nature. It is the genius of our Constitution that we have a balance of powers. It is the genius of this congregation that you haven't put Bill Crabtree or Jonathan Sandsgard in charge of everything. You're in charge as the congregation. Of course, God is in charge, but we, God has, we invest in human beings. So there's always, there needs to be a balance because this side of heaven, even though we now have a different nature inside of us, Christ in us, that old nature still clings to us. And so any 
way of operating that doesn't take that into account is naive and will end up doing more harm than good, no matter how good the aspirations may be. So then the devil gives Jesus another, even worse temptation. Takes Jesus up to the pinnacle and says, throw yourself off and God's going to save you. In other words, manipulate God. This is the ultimate temptation that human beings have struggled with. This is the problem with all religions and all philosophies. Bottom line, it's Santa Claus. Making God into Santa Claus. I will do this, and then you give me the good stuff. In other words, we manipulate God. That's what most religions are, is how to get us something good. Christianity is completely opposite. Christianity says there's nothing you can do to get God to be good to you. God does it completely out of his grace and mercy. Any good you might do is going to flow out from that. That's totally different. But see, the devil wants to to turn us inward and use God for our own purposes. And so Jesus says, not on your life. I... I want to say just a short word about how I think the devil is working today. The devil wants to deface and defame the church. Because the church is the instrument, the vehicle, by which God in Christ brings salvation. Just like Paul said in the second reading. That's the gift that the church has. The church has a word the gospel, a promise, and our job is to give it to the world. So what's the devil going to do? The devil is going to try and totally discount the church in the eyes of everybody, and the devil does that in two ways today. First, the devil does that with PR. And unfortunately, the church, because it's run by fallible, sinful human beings, And oftentimes in the history of our globe, the church has gotten corrupted by empire. Anytime the church and empire gets put together, empire always wins. And so we got all these horrible examples of the Spanish Inquisition, and and, you know, we can go on and on about all these horrible things Christianity has done. It isn't Christianity. That is a lie of the devil. There's no way you can read the Gospels and believe that you can kill people if they don't convert to Christianity. That was the devil. But see, if the devil can get the church to do this kind of garbage, then that ruins the church for people. So now people can't hear the good news because I'm not going to darken the church's doors. Look at all the bad things Christianity's done. I've talked to people who have grown up in this church that can't even call themselves Christian now because they went to school and learned all the horrible things the church has done, and it has done. But, but see, that's the, that's the angle that the devil wants to do. If you, I'm going to read you a story about a more personal situation of how the devil works, but that's the first thing. So, of course, when I listen to, uh, I love to listen, you know, I love to listen to those, uh, Sandy and I love the murder mysteries. Do you like those? I love the English ones. I love Brit Box and all of that. But I can tell you, 
maybe one out of 20 times when the church comes up in all those, and it's there all the time because it had historically the church has been huge in Europe and in England and et cetera. The priest and the church are idiots. They're a priest. I've, I have, I know I'm a pastor, so I'm overly sensitive to this. But, but isn't it true? When have you seen a priest? There's like, even in the American media, once in a while you see a pastor or you see the church represented positively. And I find myself today, and I'm, boy, I'm going way too long on this. I didn't anticipate going down this way, but go for it, right, Lord? So, um, you know, once in a while, I, I, um, I see it today where the church is positive and and. People, and I want to just tell everybody, hey, look, the church has done horrible things, but look at all the incredible things it's done. You know what I mean? Millions and millions and millions and literally dollars have gone to every place in the globe and here locally. You see how the church is rallying to support Ukraine. I mean, tell me how many soup kitchens they're going to be run if the church all of a sudden disappeared tomorrow. So at least give it a fair shake. So, you know, the devil wants to defame the church so that people don't invest in the church because it's here that there's eternal life. Not us, but the word that we carry that we've been invested with. And then the devil does it by having the church forget what its ultimate mission is. And the devil has helped, because the, and the church just has just played right into this. People think, what's the church about? The church is about laws, getting people to be more moral. And so, if, and what happens then is that people either fail with that, and they say, I guess I'm not good enough to be in that church, or they see how hypocritical everybody is who don't keep those laws, and they say, I can do just fine without the church. Because they don't realize that the church, as much as we want to make people more moral, more caring, more loving, and that's a part of our mission, our ultimate mission is to give them the gospel. <laughs> so the church, so the devil gets us totally sidetracked on what the church is about. And it doesn't matter to me, it does matter what the standard is, but whether you're, it's a Baptist standard or a a liberal Lutheran standard or a progressive this standard or that standard, the church gets understood to be about a certain um, way of living, and, and, and those are important questions, but ultimately the church, if it's being the church, is preaching the good news, and the devil wants to mess that up, <laughs> and the devil has been very successful because I can tell you, when I tell people I'm a pastor, okay, I don't have time to tell this story. So what's the answer? Well, we can look at how Jesus conquered, and that will help us. He was saturated in the Word. If we stay saturated in the world, we are going to have a power that's not our own that's going to help us walk through the wilderness. But here's the good news, folks. Jesus did what Israel couldn't and did what we can't, and he went through and he was tempted for us. We cannot do it, but Christ 
now is in us and we are connected to Christ and so his victory over temptation becomes our victory. Personally, as I see Jesus' triumph in the wilderness, I almost despair because I see how many times I've fallen prey to living by bread alone, by using my power for my gain and not for others, and the others. In fact, this poem from John Newton is beautiful. Thus, while his death my sin displays in all its evil hue, such is the mystery of grace, it seals my pardon too. The good news that we see in the temptation of Jesus is that he conquered, and now he has given us in the faith of our baptism his victory, his claim on us. You know, the ultimate temptation of the devil was, if you are the Son of God, he would come to you and I and say, hmm, are you, I've got my claim on you. The old Adam, the old Eve's got its claim on you. And Jesus would say, no, you are mine. You are mine. I've got hold of you. I died for you, and, and you are forgiven, and that is your identity, and that's the way we're going to get through the wilderness. That is our hope. Don't throw in the towel, people. Don't let the devil get the devil's day. Don't let the devil tell you that there is no hope. You might as well just live for yourself. And if that isn't working, just throw in the towel. No, God knows every hair on your head and in Christ loves you so much that he gave his only son that you would know you're God's child. And that is the good news of this day. Thanks be to God. Amen.